contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They are not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on The Lab Report, we're going to talk to Esther Blum, integrative dietitian and industry expert on menopause. She also is the best namer of books ever. Oh my God. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to The Lab Report. I'm in shock that you found literature to support the pre-chicken. I mean, it's a solid concept. Shocked. Logic no, it's not. is always logic, <laughs> and we have solved the chicken and the egg crisis. <laughs> Hello! Hi, Michael Chapman. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Patty Devers? I am crushing it and living my best life. Awesome. Did you have a good weekend? Mm. Fantastic weekend. Very restful. Awesome. How are you? Uh, yeah. Got some stuff done around the house. It, it's kind of cold. It's freezing, but I love it. It's invigorating. Yeah. I mean, like overnight cold is like, oh, yeah. now it's winter. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so this is a podcast. Mm-hmm. It is called The Lab Report. It's brought to you on behalf of Genova Diagnostics. Thank you to Genova. Thank you. It's where we talk about things like specialty lab testing, integrative and precision medicine, uh, you know, therapeutics, stuff All like those that. Things. Yeah. yeah. And if you like some of those things that Michael just talked about, maybe go to iTunes or Spotify, perhaps subscribe to this little show. Please hit, do that. Hit the button, stars. Support us. Don't you? want to support us? Why don't you want to support us? <laughs> of course What's wrong do. with you? <laughs> Stop yelling. <laughs> <laughs> if you have feedback, like, why is Michael yelling at right. me? Right. Uh, you can send that to podcast at gdx.net. That's our email address. And if you're a patient and you want to check out Genova's testing directly, you can go to connect.gdx.net. Okay, so the thing is, the pre-chicken argument, right? Well, uh, was, just it, let me just set it up. M- most of the listeners will likely remember that Michael, not. Michael no, this solved, happened a long time ago. Michael solved the, which came first, the chicken or the egg problem by discussing something called the pre-chicken, which That's right. I just accepted and said, you know what, Michael, you're a genius. I, I thought a pre-chicken is no, an egg. You, you were doubting, you said, you've been no. doubting the whole time. You've been making fun of the pre-chicken. And <laughs> it was, truth be told, sort of a stream of conscious event that happened. But <laughs> happens I didn't a lot. I didn't realize that it was actually borne out in true logic. And it and it follows as such. Should I re-explain it? So basically there's you don't ha- the, the first egg is there mm-hmm. because of whatever animal that was okay. a, a historic ancestral relative to uh-huh. the chicken uh laid an egg mutation occurs and it became a chicken and it became a chicken and that's the first chicken and so really what came first was the pre-chicken <laughs> but it was an egg <laughs> no the, the pre-chicken the, the pre- was an egg the pre-chicken laid the chicken egg <laughs> you see what happened crystal clear I mean, I think it's good logic. I mean, for as ridiculous as it all is, what happened this past week is that Michael found an actual published article that explains exactly that. It wasn't a published article. It was it was a post of someone explaining oh. the exact same argument. Um, we I should like, share that somewhere because... Social media, here we go. I come. found that and I was like, wow, there's people as crazy as me out there. <laughs> We're going to post on social. They didn't say pre-chicken. They said chicken-like. I'm like, that's the same thing. <laughs> What are you on about? I have no idea, Oliver. Let's <laughs> get question. to it. Let's Great get to question. It. Well, today we're going to talk to Esther Blum, and I'm super stoked. Oh, my gosh. We're like fan, fanning out over yeah. here. Over no, this. seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Like, I love all of her stuff. And, you know, if you're a woman out there, or you're not a woman and you know a woman, 
this is going to be an important topic, menopause, and we haven't yeah. hit it yet we on haven't. this show. We haven't. And there's lots of things to do, uh, lots of different avenues to take, and so we're going to talk to, again, we're getting the expert. Totes. we got to get the, get the girl. That's right. So That's it. Uh, this is going to be super fun. I think we're going to learn a ton, honestly. I'm um, excited. So let's just bring her on. So, Michael. Oh, my God. Can you believe this? I I can't, really. (laughs) Esther Blum is here. And for those of you who don't know who Esther Blum is, let me tell you who she is. Perhaps you live under a rock and you Mm -hmm. don't know. Mm -hmm. Esther Blum (laughs) is an integrative dietitian and menopause expert. In the past 27 years, she has helped thousands of women master menopause through nutrition, hormones, and self-advocacy. Esther is the best-selling author of See You Later, Ovulator, which is by far the greatest it's title so of the book ever. It's so Am I wrong? Good. Okay. Cave Women Don't Get Fat, Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous, Secrets of Gorgeous, and the Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous Project. Widely respected. As an industry expert, Esther was voted Best Nutritionist by Manhattan Magazine. She has appeared on Dr. Oz, The Today Show, Good Day New York, and many other national television programs. Esther received a Bachelor of Science in Clinical Nutrition from Simmons College in Boston and as a graduate of New York University, where she received her Master of Science in Clinical Nutrition. Esther is credentialed as a registered dietitian, a certified dietitian nutritionist, and a certified nutrition specialist. So professional sparty pants. That's the translation there. Um, (laughs) Esther lives in Connecticut with her family, where she can be seen cooking up a storm, going for long hikes with her family, and blasting 80s music by the fire pit, my kind of girl. Nice, Mm. nice. With that, Mm. welcome to the show, Esther. Thank you for having me. You know, I am exploring taking a dance class right now. I'm like, I think I need to add some dance to my life. Love awesome. that. Way to, to go. rock it out by the fire. Love <laughs> that. <laughs> so this yeah. is so funny. Like one of the things that stands out in that intro is the, the phrase self-advocacy as it relates to menopause. And I, many women go to the doctor with menopausal symptoms and are told, well, that's just menopause. That's kind of what you get. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, how can women advocate for themselves when they're seeking help? Yeah, well, first and foremost, you can find a new doctor. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. If they say no, let them go. Uh, Mm -hmm. Definitely. I mean, we have to remember, you know, we get so scared of people in white coats. And I grew up in a family of doctors. My grandfather was a, a gifted ENT and surgeon. And my father was a dermatologist and, uh, you know, we, we just, we don't want to say no because we think they're the authority, Mm -hmm. but here's the thing, spoiler alert, people, uh, menopause is not taught in medical school. So chances are you are much more the authority of your body. You need to find a doctor who listens to you. So if your doctor says, well, it's just, if you say, I I think it's my hormones, I am not sleeping and I'm sweaty and I have no libido anymore. And you know, Mm -hmm the litany of symptoms that's happening all at once and your doctor says well that's just menopause or you say i'm bleeding really heavily like gushing and surging and uh i'm almost anemic at this point and the doctor says well why don't you go on the pill or let me put in an iud just find a new doctor because that means the doctor has not done any research, which by the way, the research is out there. I mean, I'm a dietitian and wrote a book on menopause with menopause research. So if I can figure it out, a doctor can certainly figure it out. So find a doctor who is a hormone specialist because if when you decide you want to bring hormones into the picture to give you, and believe me, we can talk about why sooner an early intervention is better, 
let's say, you know, you're ready. You want a doctor who is a hormone specialist, who isn't just going to put you on hormones and then say, bye. And that's the dose you're on the rest of your life. You want someone who is going to monitor you, get your levels checked, tweak if you're not feeling right. You know, that's, that's like really the key is finding someone who's going to just get it. Yeah. I love that. Cause that answer of, well, it's just menopause just doesn't work anymore. Well, and I think too, there's such a personalized aspect to it that, you know, you have to have somebody who's able to understand what, why the symptoms are occurring for that individual person in front of them. And I think that's the part that, you know, across all spectrums is lacking in a lot of conventional medicine, but it, as you said, it certainly applies here where they just, they, they're not focusing on it at all. They're not most of the time, not even looking at any hormone levels. Right. Or not even hormones, no. things like nutrition. I mean, Esther, you're a nutritionist, right? And so yeah. what are what do you think are the most impactful dietary changes women can make to help with this menopausal transition? So I have three mental laws for fat loss. They're, they're so basic, they often get overlooked um, because I'm not selling some trendy diet at all. Mm -hmm. This is just lifestyle tips that you can do that you're probably already doing. You just need to tweak so number one is optimizing your protein intake. Now, most people think if you go by the Dietetic Association's recommendations, you're going to be eating 60 to 80 grams of protein, which is what I would put my dialysis patients on in the mm, hospital. Wow. That is suboptimal. That is a restriction, actually. Um, the research shows you need a minimum of 100 grams per day, but really I get women on 120 to 150 grams per day on average. And this means you're eating four to six ounces of protein at a meal. And then uh, if you want to have another snack, you can, although most women find they're too full at that point, they, they can't uh, mm -hmm. get enough in, and, which is really an amazing space for a woman to be because we, we've gone through deprivation for so many years. Right. And for women to say, I can't eat enough and I'm full and losing weight. Mm -hmm. Like, right. wow, that is really <laughs> freaking cool. Right. Um, and we need hormone, uh, we need uh, optimal protein to balance our blood sugar, to help build lean muscle. Ladies, I'm telling you now, if you are lifting weights and riding your spin bikes and doing whatever workouts you're doing and you're not eating enough protein, good luck building muscle. It will not happen in menopause. So make sure you're eating enough protein. Um, the second mental law is to have a greater ratio of protein than carbs. Meaning if you're eating 120 to 150 grams of protein per day, your carb level should be lower, like 100, 110, 120 grams. Uh, and the best times to eat carbs are around your workout mm -hmm. or my mental law number three, having your carbs at night. Hmm. And most people are like, what? I'm going to gain so right. much weight. This is ridiculous. What do you mean carbs at night, lady? Okay, first of all, we're not talking cereal and ice cream and donuts here. We're talking complex carbs that have resistant starch, which slowly release into the bloodstream, although some faster than others, and I'll explain why in a minute, but uh, sweet potatoes, quinoa, beans and legumes, butternut squash, no one's getting fat on that. But what you are doing is, um, and if you have other more, um, a little simpler carbs like uh, white rice, which by the way, has the same amount of carbs as brown rice, um, <laughs> So white rice, you can have white potatoes as well. You will get a, a bump in insulin, which tamps down your cortisol. 
Mm. Women in perimenopause and menopause often have very high nighttime cortisol. And so carbs at night can blunt the effect. And also we want to remember, you know, protein during the day, high protein during the day um, uh, and carbs at night is generally tolerated better. Your body's more insulin sensitive later on in the day than in the morning. Mm -hmm. How much does that little, that depression of cortisol in the evening factor into the symptoms of uh, hot flashes? Oh, it, it definitely factors in because... Um, you know, if your blood sugar drops overnight, which is what spikes your cortisol levels, that can absolutely trigger hot flashes. So there's definitely a correlation between balancing blood sugar and a decrease in hot flashes. This is why keto diets are so effective to treat hot flashes. Um, And, you know, but here's the, here's the rub is a keto diet works great for women for about three months. And after that, and and the weight loss comes and the fat loss comes, after that, the weight starts to come back because your thyroid is no longer happy eating only 30 grams of carbs per day. Hmm. You do need carbs to convert T4 to T3, the active form of thyroid hormone. So if you're going to do keto, make sure, you know, around the three-month mark, you start to titrate up your carbs that's, that's I feel, great. I, was I feel so heard right now, Michael, well, because <laughs> because I always say this. I was like, you know, keto works and then it doesn't. And I'm like, why? So thank you. Thank yeah, you for I'm, that, Esther. Right. Uh, I was right. going to ask, too, because we were talking about balancing the, the macronutrients. And so it makes me wonder if there's a, you know, more like metabolic flexibility if going in and out of ketosis is kind of the, the best way to go for the system. Yes. And you know what? I rarely, I mean, seriously, in all my years of practice, and I'm like a hundred now. So in all my years of practice, I have literally put two women on keto and it was because they wanted to try it. Mm. I didn't do it. I never have to go that restrictive to Mm. get results. And neither does anyone. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to make yourself crazy on a diet. It's Mm -hmm. like, just start playing, start bumping up your protein, start really just um, watching your carbs and you can plug your eating into a food app, a uh, food log app for three days. You're going to quickly see if you're eating too many carbs or not. Mm-hmm. So you just adjust your carbs and adjust the timing and the weight loss comes like there's no, hmm. you don't have to go crazy and restrict yourself and suffer. Right. Awesome. Right. Awesome. And that's great. We talked about the hot flashes and, you know, the, the weight gain as the common symptoms, the insomnia, I mean, is, is one of the other biggest things. And we talked a little bit about the cortisol element, but what other things can be addressed, uh, around insomnia? Really amazing sleep hygiene is Mm. so important. If you are on your phone or your Kindle or any kind of device with a blue light, uh, your brain is not going to make melatonin. So make sure that the hour before bed, you're actually going old school, reading a regular book or a magazine or taking a hot bath or meditating or journaling. Dim lights um, are really beneficial. My husband teases me. He's like, you're an incandescent girl in an LED world because I'm (laughs) always like, I'm always hot for just, you know, like very gentle, soft lighting, uh, mimicking what mother nature does. So Mm. that's really important. Um, having downtime to relax and meditate, I mean, even 10 minutes of deep breathing lowers your cortisol, but Mm. also, you know, avoiding, uh, sugar, caffeine and alcohol can also really throw a wrench into your sleep. So I 
instead of that, like drink some calming tinctures, put some um, holy basil or lemon balm into, you know, a wine glass with water and sip that instead. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, good advice. I have a related question and asking for a friend. Really uh, just me. Okay, so <laughs> as it relates to exercise, like even with hormonal flux in, in the menopausal weight gain, right? You talked a lot about the diet and how weight will come off, but what about exercise? Like, is it specific, different exercise because of that hormonal flux, or is it yeah. just kind of the general, you know, cardio or strength, strength training, blah, blah, blah? Well, first of all, the timing matters. You don't want to exercise, you know, two hours before bed. That will, if you're having cortisol issues, that will be problematic unless you're doing like a restorative yoga class, which again, you're just lying around breathing right. and stretching. So stretching is great before bed mm -hmm. to release, you know, stored tension uh, in our muscles. But um, the nice thing too about menopause is you, you don't have to actually work harder. A lot of women instinctively say, oh my God, I'm got this menopause, I got to get it off. And they start working out a lot harder and the weight doesn't budge and it can actually worsen your cortisol. Hmm. So you want to make sure, you know, you're doing play walking. It's the most underrated fat burning activity out there. It's just a little more time consuming, right? But <clears throat> we don't always have like an hour and a half to get our 10,000 steps in, but um, that's really beneficial. Even if you can break it up throughout the day, uh, you know, walk in the morning, go walk the dog in the afternoon. Um, and then strength training. Um, mm. There's really no difference for menopausal women between two or three times a week if you're doing heavy strength training. But I like to do it three times a week. I just feel better doing it that way. But strength training is imperative because A, you know, as uh, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon always mm. says, muscle is the organ of longevity, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. the more muscle we have, the, um, the smaller the incidence of death induced by fractures and falls um, due to poor balance and poor muscle mass and bone density. So also we want to remember that muscle has a tremendous impact on our insulin and our management of blood sugar. Right. Mm. So the more muscle you have, the greater your insulin sensitivity. In fact, there's been research. Yes, metformin works great with weightlifting, but weightlifting can work better than metformin and mm -hmm. probably mm -hmm. medications to control your blood sugars. You have to take them forever or, you know, versus li lifting weights and walking. I mean, even 10 minutes of walking just right after your meal lowers your blood sugar by 17%. So the lifestyle really, really makes a difference. Yeah. I have to say, I appreciate the use of the word menopause. <laughs> I know. Well, it, the cool. other thing too, it reminds me of that study that they demonstrated grip strength was associated with all-cause mortality and uh, you know essentially yeah. prevention, muscles, which is just yeah. it's so fascinating. And we know muscle is being you know such a glucose sink and so important for all that. It makes me wonder too. We we tend to have a subset of patients uh, who are are very uh, exercise talented. They're very uh, you know. Uh, physical fitness is very, very important to them. And so I wonder, is there a certain limit to some of those people who might have a little bit of a tendency to, to really get after it and push it? Yeah. I mean, the only limit is, again, if you have a healthy cortisol level and you're lifting regularly, far be it from me to stop you mm -hmm. from strength training. I would say if you're, if you're fit and lean, don't just stop because you heard somebody say it on a podcast. Like it's really bio-individual, yeah. you know, what works for you. And it, 
the, the stronger you are, the more conditioned you are going into menopause, the better off you'll be. And, and you should work to maintain that. But it's, it's interesting too. I mean, the flip side is, you know, I uh, have a, a large circle of strength coaches in my, in, in my community and, you know, they're suffering with a ton of inflammation and joint aches. They overdid it in their 20s. So I'm all about the balance um, and mixing it up and getting variety. You know, our, our kids are so focused on like doing one sport year round now and seeing all these injuries. Like we used to mix things up and doing thing, do activities seasonally. You'd swim in the summer, mm-hmm. run mm-hmm. in the fall, ski right. in the winter. Now it's like right. just this intense training year round. So mm-hmm. you do need to, to break up your training. Um, you know, yoga can be really good for your core. Pilates can be good at isolating muscles. Do different, do a combination of different things. Yeah, you don't have to always do the same thing. Yeah, gotcha. that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, another topic that's certainly good ground to cover is, you know, in personalized medicine, we spend a lot of time mm-hmm. talking about bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, mm-hmm. uh, which helps so many women deal with menopausal symptoms. So what just... 30,000 foot view, what are some of the options for women who want to either use or not use BHRT? So I always believe uh, that you should test, don't guess. I do comprehensive hormone testing in my practice. And I also look at uh, methylation or detoxification in the liver. I look at it in the gut as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So to even make sure you're a candidate, if you have a fatty liver or your detox pathways are very poor, we want to support those first before getting on any hormones. That's kind of my disclaimer. But aside from that, I'm a big fan of bringing hormones in as early as possible because it totally smooths out the bumps of menopause. Um, And the research shows early intervention is key for preventing osteoporosis, Alzheimer's, heart disease. So I love bioidentical hormones because you can really titrate the doses, you can customize them. You know, I I joke that it's couture versus off the rack. Um, (laughs) So, you know, there's so many great delivery systems that even bypass the liver and the gut. At night, if you're struggling with sleep, you know, a progesterone trochee can be very beneficial. It's just absorbed in the oral mucosa. Um, And certainly there's there's creams for uh, testosterone. There's, uh, you could get testosterone in a trochee as well. You can get estrogen in a trochee. You can get estrogen as a cream. But my favorite uh, method of hormone replacement is also vaginal estrogen for preventing atrophy, uh, bladder prolapse, UTIs. Um, and it really helps you know, maintain the collagen in the vaginal walls. And so a woman can have just normal lubrication and doesn't have to feel dry, painful sex because no one feels good when that situation is there. And if you if you cannot use vaginal estrogen or are concerned about it, um, then laser therapy is another great way to um, remedy vaginal atrophy. And most women do have some level of atrophy when estrogen declines. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm like, you know, it's, I'm a classic example. I'm 52, I still do cycle. Um, it's not perfect or totally regular by any means, but I'm also on, you know, bioidentical, uh, all of the above, right? Vaginal, uh, te- uh, estrogen, testosterone, um, progesterone trochies, and estrogen too. So it's, yeah. you know, but, but we use microdoses. The dice, the doses you use are about a fifth of the dose of the pill. Yeah. 
-hmm. So a lot of people ask me, what about pellets? I'm not a fan of pellets. They're just, it's really hard to regulate the release. A lot of women get horrible side effects like weight gain, uh, hair loss or hair growth on the face and hair loss on the head. Not a good combo or some complain like their sex drive is so high that they're like scaring the crap out of their partners, <laughs> which is not good either. Right. And, you know, it's really hard to, to control the dose. And there's no published research studies on, you know, pellets. So I'm, I never see, you know, great results in practice. Yeah. Do you, you got to be careful. Do you go to herbals if, if a patient doesn't want to go on bioidentical hormone therapy? Do you ever use herbals? Yeah, I use herbals. Often adrenal support can be very helpful. Um, and there are herbals like chase tree. I really like maca a lot for yeah. hot flashes. Maca and um, rapontic rhubarb are amazing for hot flashes. And borage oil mm -hmm. uh, is also super helpful. So I do, if, if somebody doesn't want to or cannot go on herbals, uh, or, or pardon me, cannot go on hormones. Yes. I can absolutely right. bring herbs in for support mm. okay. and nutrients too. I mean, right. nutrients do a lot. Mm -hmm. Fixing the gut does a lot. <laughs> I had a woman who came to me with, uh, you know, really horrible hot flashes, but her gut was such a mess. I was like, we're not even going to treat your hormones. We're going to treat your gut. And her hot flashes resolved without mm. us doing any hormone support. So you got to make sure your gut's healthy. You know, your, your, um, probiotics are, are colonizing and have food to grow on. You don't have a leaky or inflamed gut. That alone is a game changer in the menopause picture. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, Love that's that. perfect. It, one, one thing, too, I was thinking about as we were talking about the, the BHRT aspect is I think a lot of our clinicians are, uh, you know, if they're comfortable with BHRT, then they mostly focus on estrogen and progesterone. And I find that less so testosterone is is given and so i was wondering if maybe you could speak to just how important testosterone is in the whole picture it's totally important it's so important even for cognitive function people think cognitive function is only related to a decline in estrogen and to some degree progesterone but testosterone is equally important at supporting neuroplasticity and the growth of new neurons in the brains and being able to do, you know, word sequencing and forming formulated sentences. So uh, hormones, uh, testosterone is absolutely essential. It's essential for libido. It's essential for muscle mass, um, cardiac health, uh, all of it. It's, um, I, I could say it has a, a smaller role than estrogen, let's say in bone density, mm -hmm. but, you know, overall it's like, hormones work as a team. Yeah. So to, right. to only give two thirds of the team and not be the last third doesn't make any sense. I think a lot of doctors just don't know how to do it. They're not well studied or researched. And um, most women come to me like, I'm not doing testosterone. I'm going to lose my hair. I'm like, not at the dose you're getting. You're not, you're not, mm -hmm. you know, we're not giving you the levels to make you look like Michael Phelps or Arnold Schwarzenegger here. <laughs> we're giving you a micro dose. That is it. It's like the doses we give are a fifth of the dose of a birth control pill. Yeah. Love it. No, I mean, and, and when you look at someone's hormone picture and it's rock bottom and you put them on a cocktail of progesterone, testosterone, estrogen, what happens? They start sleeping. Um, they're calmer, you know, less men rage, uh, per se, lots more energy, stamina. And, um, you know, I know for myself, I was going through before I really, I was in perimenopause, but also going through treatment for Lyme and mold. And we didn't bring in hormones right away. because we were like, let's just 
you know, slay one dragon at a time. But my cortisol curve was really, it was almost flat. It was, mm. I was not even in range. It was at the bit, it was below range. And it was pretty flat once. So I couldn't work out for years, couldn't lift weights. Like I could walk and that would be it. Mm. Um, I could do Pilates, but even that sometimes I was exhausted after. Once I started hormones, like within a month, I was like, holy cow, I can lift weights. I have endurance. I have stamina. I don't crash. And when I retested my cortisol, I had a normal curve for the first time in so many years. So awesome. yes, you do want to look at treating chronic infections, but the in treating infections alone didn't bring back the cortisol curve. It was hormones even more than, and I'd been doing years of adrenal support. Wow. Didn't do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. All it did was mess with my sleep after a while. So, you know, right. it's like hormones are important. Well, they really are. And the other thing too <laughs> is, you know, if we're asking people to do some of these tougher lifestyle changes, um, yeah. then, you know, first to get them into a place where they're starting to feel a little bit normal, a little bit better to give them the energy yeah. to be able to undertake mm. that is also critical. It's a good point. It is, it is. And you get someone who's just chronically, you know, just wakes up exhausted and then is having a very poor night's sleep and has terrible brain fog. It's really debilitating. It's like an invisible disability, which is why it's so egregious that women are told to just like go and wait it out. It yeah. doesn't get better. And people say, well, do I really need hormones? And some people say, I feel fine. Yeah. I'm like, I am telling you what the research says. If you want your bones and your brain and your heart to really be optimized, like you'd be a fool not to. You'd yeah. really be a fool not to. Yeah. And, and I appreciate you talking about the microbiome because in our clinician discussions that we have as it relates to imbalanced hormones or, or menopausal females, it's, it's things on the stool profile like that beta-glucuronidase that just recirculates mm -hmm. all of our hormones. And so in dealing with your patients, how often does it happen where you optimize the gut and they feel remarkably better just by that. Yeah. Is it common? 95% of the time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. The That's only time it doesn't is when my clients are not giving up alcohol. Hmm. And I'm like, don't think you're going to get rid of your chronic infections and your leaky gut while you're drinking. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I'm like, go ahead, run antibiotics, because at this point the herbals aren't going to do anything for you, and you're not like keep drinking i'll see you again when you're ready to stop because it just it's i keep saying this is not if you're investing time and money in your care and you won't give up alcohol like don't you've just thrown away all that money it's a, it's really hard to heal the gut and believe me like you're talking to the biggest martini lover on the planet but i've made peace with the fact i'm like you know what uh i sleep so much better without it my gut is so much less inflamed and uh, I don't have to nap the next day. I have better energy. Mm -hmm. So there comes a point where you've got to really honor the changes your body's going through and just kind of like let things go that aren't working for you anymore. It's just not a good use of time. Yeah. Love that so That's much. Great. So much. That's well, great. Esther Blum, not only is this an enormous amount of amazing information, great energy, and you're awesome. We want to encourage all of our listeners to go to estherblum.com, and we're going to link to that in the show notes as well as all the books. But before we let you go, we have one last question that I'm going to kick to Michael Chapman. We have a, a silly tradition where we ask ridiculous question at the end called the fireball <laughs> question. It's uh, it. meant fireball. to catch you off guard. And so you mentioned 80s music. I just have to ask you, uh, what is the best 80s band Mm. Oh my God. I, I can't name one. I mean, please, there's Genesis, there's the police, there's Erasure, <laughs> there's 
Duran Duran. There's tears for fears. I mean, are you feeling me here? Yes. I got, I know, I got, I got the the track that you're on though. I get there's it. Run DMC. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. I am. I sit on Spotify at night and yeah. make different mixes to listen to <laughs> in the car. Awesome. And I'm like, oh, I don't have Prince on there yet. I gotta put Pat Benatar. I gotta put Cindy Lauper. Like just. The okay. list and the beat goes on and on. You should create a Spotify channel, and then we can yes. all listen to your mixes. Oh, can I do that? Yes, you yeah. can. Oh, my God. And we'll share I'm it. Such, I really think I need to do that. But <laughs> I also want to share, if listeners go to estherblum.com forward slash menopause, they're going to also get my happy hormone cocktail, mm. and they're going to get a VIP ticket to my live event in February. It's virtual, so you can sit in your jammies nice. all day and, awesome. and come. But it's there's it's my gift to every listener out there is just Aww. to continue resources. Awesome, Love awesome. This. Definitely check that out so for sure. So great. Esther Blum, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show. You're amazing. Thank you. You guys are the best. Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> I sort of feel like I dominated that, Michael. How do you mean? Like I just sort of took over because I'm super interested in oh. all of this female health and because we get these questions a lot. Yeah. So we had an expert. So I sort of went with it and I'm sorry. You don't have to apologize for being excited. <laughs> Not on a on an activity like a podcast. No, that was great. Uh, you did great, Patty. Thanks, Michael. But you know who also did great? Esther Blonde. Oh my goodness, dude. See, I told you she's phenomenal. Like yeah. I follow all of her stuff. You go to her website. She's got tons of resources. Like she said, bunches of podcasts. You can hear her over and over and over talk about just about anything. Loved it. Yeah, I'm glad she came on. I hope she comes on again. You think she would? Not if she hears the pre-chicken part. Next time on The Lab Report, Dr. Jill Carnahan. You know her. You love her. That's right. She's going to be on the show. It's going to be amazing. Yep. Check it out. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. Did you fix that broken pipe you had? <laughs> I'm getting there. You're so handy these days. I love it. Yep. Doing the plumbing. Homeownership. You know, it's nice. It saves so much money when yeah. you're like, oh, it's just you just do that. You well, know what I mean? I think it's the accomplishment of like, oh, look what I did. The, I the, fixed the house. I don't know about that part of it because oh. it, it really is one step forward, two steps back with every single DIY project you try to undertake, especially yeah. if it's something you haven't done before. It's not. It's it's very discouraging at times. So are you able to use the shower yet? No. Oh.